Today's episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast is sponsored by the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, a national membership network in support of a movement to let the world know that our black men and boys matter. They're an asset to our communities and our country. And as a nation, we cannot truly prosper when any group of people are excluded and forced to exist on the fringes of society. The well-being of black men and boys has direct influence on the strength of our families, our communities, and our nation as a whole. My ask, Blazer Nation, is that you'd consider joining and investing in the Campaign for Black Male Achievement as we head into the holiday season. Your contribution is going to help CBME to amplify and catalyze black male achievement around the country. To do so, I ask that you'd visit blackmaleachievement.org and select either of the options to join and or donate to this movement today. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Blaze the Nation, what's good? Welcome to another episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast. I'm your host, Stephen A. Hart, and today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with my dear friend, Mr. Kwame Christian. Kwame first appeared on Trailblazers back on episode 39. That was almost two years ago. And also he did an episode for us in our masterclass series this summer. And, you know, just a dear friend, Kwame and I are part of a mastermind group together. And if you're not familiar, Kwame Christian is a business lawyer. He's an accomplished TEDx speaker, founder of the American Negotiation Institute. He's the host of his own podcast called Negotiate Anything, where he shares powerful persuasion techniques, right? So if you're looking to master the art of negotiation and handle conflict and difficult conversations, you definitely want to be listening to this brother. I'm excited to dive into today's conversation. He just authored his first book. We're going to be talking a bit about that. But before we get started, I wanted to ask that, you know, if we have not yet connected on social, in on the internets, I want you to make sure that you follow me, engage with me, hit me up in the DMs. You can connect with me on Twitter or on the gram at TBPod, or feel free to connect with my personal profile at Stephen A. Hart. I'd love to get to know who you are. If you've been listening to Trailblazers for a couple episodes or for a whole year and we have not connected one-on-one, I would love to know that you are part of Blazer Nation, right? And if you've not yet done so, please consider leaving us a rating and review. We need some more five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts, right? So I want you guys to jump in Apple Podcasts. And here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to tell me an episode in your review that impacted you most, right? Which episode was that? You can reference the episode number or the guest that was on the podcast. Let me know who they are. Let me know why the episode impacted you and, and what you took away from it, right? Let us know that over in that Apple review. I'm going to challenge you guys to do that. And that said, let's go ahead and get set to dive into today's episode and receive today's mission field from my bona fide brethren and good friend and negotiation expert, Mr. Kwame Christian. Hope you enjoy. Kwame, what's good, brother? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Listen, I am so excited. This is 
Kwame, you have now joined Tiffany Sutherland as the only three-time guest, featured guest on this podcast. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Tiffany's like my big sister, so I'm, I am proud to follow in her footsteps. Yes, yes, yes. So for everyone that is unaware, Kwame did a solo episode for me this summer in our masterclass series, but Kwame was first, I believe you're, and it's interesting. The very first time you came on the podcast was almost exactly two years ago. It got published on, I think I was looking at it today, it was October 23rd of 2016. And we've gotten to know each other wow. a lot better since then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kwame and I spent several Saturday mornings on the phone together with Tiffany Sutherland, who we just mentioned, and Rich Jones. We're all part of a mastermind and you know we've talked about a lot. <laughs> about how we're going to take over this world. (laughs) That's right. Listen, I know I I can get off tangent real quick talking to you, but I wanted to start off, right? So where we start off every conversation on this podcast is a place of gratitude, right? So I am sure that this season of life, like any, you have a good bit that you wish could be better. And there are things that are overwhelming they're bringing tremendous excitement and joy to you right about now. And so wanted to pick your brain on sharing with us what some of those blessings that you're most grateful for right now might be. Right now, this is going to sound weird, but I am grateful for the pressure mm. that I'm feeling right now. Wow. Tennis is my favorite sport. And Billie Jean King once said that pressure is a privilege. And right mm. now, <laughs> I am under some serious pressure. Like tomorrow, I am going to Dayton, Ohio to present all day at a nonprofit conference. And then immediately after that, I'm driving back to Columbus, flying out at 6 p.m. to go to Maryland and do an all-day presentation at a Fortune 500 company. And then I'm flying back Thursday morning at 7.30 and doing a training here in Columbus on how you can use negotiation techniques to break through implicit bias. And, you know, it's a busy time. But I think about back where we were when we first had this interview two years ago, and it is incredible to see where I've come. So at this point, I'm not going to complain about the pressure and the stress that I'm feeling because I recognize it's a privilege and it's a sign that I'm on the right direction. Yes. And you talk about Dayton. I think it was, if memory serves me right, it was about this time last year that a lot of this wheels in terms of where we're going with this conversation kind of started, right? You delivered a TED Talk last year about this time, right? In Dayton. Yeah, man. It's, uh, Wasn't it October it, yeah, of last a year? year ago. Yep, October 20th. And you know, here's the thing. This is the funny part, man. Because every year I've come to the conclusion in, in 2016, I said, I'm going to do something that scares me mm-hmm. every year. It's 2016 was quitting my job, starting my own business and starting the podcast. 2017 was the TED Talk and that was that was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and then this year it is the book. And so I'm scared for what next year is going to be. I, I'm running out of things, but nah, you know, it's, it's a that. fun way to gain your improvement. Yes. You know, you have to scare yourself. So we talked about a TED Talk. Kwame actually delivered a talk titled Finding Confidence in Conflict. And you delivered that at TEDx Dayton. And Congratulations on the success of that talk. I believe it's now been viewed over 40,000 times and mm-hmm. probably one of the most viewed talks on negotiation, right? Yeah. And then in 2017, it was the most viewed talk on negotiation or conflict. Wow. Wow. Wanted to pick your brain a bit about what sparked 
the idea. So you had, it was something that scared you about why a TED Talk. So here's the thing. When it comes to what we're trying to do here, Stephen, I think a big part of our business is contingent upon whether or not people believe, truly believe that we're thought leaders. And I see thought leadership in terms of kind of like a three-legged stool. You have a show or some kind of pathway for you to disseminate content regularly to a large audience. For me, that's the podcast. For you, that's the podcast. Then I feel like the TED Talk is another one because it is a nationally recognized speaking engagement that's displayed as a single shot. So people can see that you're kind of speaking without notes and you're in front of people. And so it's easy for them to see you as a leader in that regard. So that's the second leg. And then the other one is a book. Even though people might say traditional publishing is dead and whatnot, but the reality is that people still have a large amount of respect for people who are published authors. Going through this process of writing this book made it abundantly clear to me why so many people want to write books, (laughs) why so few people actually do it. And, you know, I've had this book in me for a while and I've been dragging my feet. But, you know, when the stars aligned and now was the perfect time, so I jumped on it. But that's the reason why I took this approach, doing the podcast and the TED Talk last year and then the book this year. And the book, they all build on each other. It's from the surveys from the podcast that made the TED Talk so good. And then it's from the expansion from the TED Talk that led to this book. Wow. And they just continue to build on each other. I love that. You know, when you were preparing for the TED Talk, I remember you sharing with me a strategy that you employed because you were so thorough with having this talk. I mean, so if you haven't watched the TED Talk, make sure that everyone listening, I'll make sure I share this in the show notes page over at tbpod.com. But Kwame, in, even in practicing like several weeks before, was so polished and I remember you sharing with me a strategy employed, and I wanted to pick your brain about that and just share that for anyone that is giving thought to presenting and speaking on stage and being able to retain that information. Yeah. So I guess I would call this strategy neuroticism. (laughs) It's height. It was crazy. And so here's the thing. So fun fact about me, even though my business right now is centered on going to different companies and doing presentations, and I had the TED Talk last year, I was deathly afraid of public speaking, Mm. deathly afraid of public speaking my whole life. And it was really difficult for me to get over it. And so much like, and I'm sure we're going to get to this, but it was a level of fear that was similar to me with my fear of conflict. Mm -hmm. And I broached both of those fears the same way. I treated it like a phobia. And just to give you an idea of how bad it was, I remember in high school, one of my friends saying after I gave announcements in front of class, he said, Kwame, I couldn't tell if you were talking or crying. Wow. <laughs> it was that bad. It was wow. that bad. It was terrible. Wow. And so my undergraduate degrees in psychology, psychology is my true academic love. I happen to be a lawyer with a master of public policy, but psychology is where it's at. Mm. So I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. Turned out, I obviously, it didn't happen, but I had one patient and <laughs> his name is Kwame. And so I treated this thing like a phobia. And so I utilized cognitive behavioral therapy. And a big part of that was exposure therapy, which is speaking whenever I could. So putting myself in situations where I was in front of people, just kind of beating that weakness out of me in controlled ways. And then the other part that was really critical and that I still utilize today is called cognitive reappraisal. 
And so whenever your body has a physiological response, the way we interpret that response is called appraisal. And so the thing that's interesting about the body is that it has a very limited amount of physiological responses. So for example, if you go to a scary movie, your heart rate elevates, Mm -hmm. your breathing becomes shallow, you might start to perspire and you interpret that as fear. If you see somebody that is really attractive and you have a crush on that person and they come up to you and talk to you, your heart rate would elevate, you might start to perspire and your breathing would change. It's the exact same thing, but we would describe that as attraction. So the body will respond in the exact same way. The only thing that differs is our interpretation. And so the process of reappraisal is assigning a new interpretation to that same response. And so now whenever I go up and I speak, I still have that exact same physiological response. Mm -hmm. I'm still sweating. My heart is still racing and my breathing is all messed up. But the difference is I interpret it now as excitement. And so instead of seeing this activity as a threat, I force myself to see the opportunity. And so now I say, if I'm feeling this, this means that I'm excited. This means I'm about to do something worth that's, that's worth it, you know? And so now when I go and I speak, I'm sitting here. You'd look at me before the speech and you'd say, man, Kwame is so confident. He's sitting there smiling. (laughs) And the reason I'm smiling is because my body is going out of control and I'm laughing at the fact that I still do this, but now I'm over it. (laughs) (laughs) I can so relate. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's crazy, man. It's crazy. So you can't let those feelings hold you back. You need to find the reason, the the opportunity on the other side and focus on that and reinterpret those feelings as something that is worth doing. And I tell you, my performance has improved just exponentially since then. Mm. And then, of course, I can get into the step-by-step process I did for the TED Talk, if you'd like, too. I know that that you did. Yeah, you almost memorized different eras of your speech like you were in different eras of a house, right? Something crazy. Yes. and so one thing you need to know about me, I'm, I'm a nerd. So I'm at about, <laughs> I try to read at least, like last year, I think it was 55 books. I'm trying to hit that number again this year. Did you year. read that many last um, year? Mm-hmm. Well, and I say read colloquially because I use audio audiobooks. Yeah, right. So I listen in double and triple speed, so it's faster. But one of the things that's really interesting is memory. And what's interesting about memory is that people would say, oh, I have a bad memory or that person has a good memory. But memory is a skill. It's not like a talent. You can, there are ways to organize your brain. So imagine the way that most people remember things is that imagine your brain is like a computer and everybody saves everything to the desktop. Everything is on the desktop. (laughs) And so it's jumbled up. And of course you have a bad memory. You can't find anything. But the key to memory is learning how to organize your mind. And so there's a technique called the mind palace technique. And this is a technique that was utilized by the great orators of Greece, like Socrates and Plato and all those people. Wow. And so it allowed them to memorize vast amounts of literature just without any paper. And so here's the technique. So what you do is you take a building that you're familiar with. So think of your house and you take the goofiest, craziest imagery and you put it at different places in your house and you link them together. And what you do is those essentially serve as bullet points. And so you, when you're speaking, what you're doing mentally is you are visualizing yourself walking through the house. And so let me tell you something, Stephen. So it is over a year since we've done, since I did you the did TED Talk. talk yeah. I looked at the TED Talk one time. That was it. 
You've looked at it significantly more times than me. I don't like seeing myself speak. So I've seen it one time since then. And so I probably still remember it because I'm just going to take a walk through my mind palace. And so I'll tell you what I see. I'm a business lawyer and a negotiation consultant. So my professional life centers on effective conflict management. So here's what I'm seeing while I'm looking at the audience. What I'm seeing is I'm seeing two, myself, two Kwamis, both in business suits. Okay. So business lawyer and a negotiation consultant, because it triggers me. Okay. There's two professional versions of me. So my professional life centers. And so I see those two Kwamis walking hand in hand and there's a center table. So centers on effective conflict management. So all you need is a one word trigger, visualizing that one word trigger, and then you can say the string of words that goes along with it. Wow. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of one of my most serious conflicts. And so now on the center table, I see a book and I'm opening the book. And so I'm telling you a story. And so in order for you to wrap your head, now I see something wrapping around somebody's head. And so all I'm doing is I'm walking through this palace and telling people what I see. And it is incredible because it was an 11 minute talk. And once I, after I figured out the specific words I wanted to say, it just took me about three hours to put it in my head at the beginning of the month of October. And then I never looked at the notes again. And I mean, you were spot on with it in the times you practice it that I heard and you delivered an amazing talk, man. So and it's amazing that you're that polished just now, even in that intro. <laughs> like, Thank you. You know Thank it. You. Spot on. That's, I, that's amazing. I tell you, one of the things I believe in is competence breeds confidence. Mm-hmm. And I, my fear was a trigger for me to practice more. And so I would practice every day, probably about at least five times a day, but I would mix it up. So as I'm getting ready for the gym every morning at 5 a.m., what I would do is I would walk through my mind palace backwards. And if you are visualizing things well enough, that shouldn't be a problem. Because Stephen, if I say, if I walk into your house and I say, Stephen, walk to your bedroom, that's not difficult. Mm -hmm. Now, if I say, Stephen, walk from your bedroom to the front door, that's not difficult. Mm -hmm. And so if I have done a good enough job of visualizing, I can just walk through my mind palace backwards. And so every morning as I'm getting ready to go to the gym, I was saying the speech to myself backwards, line by line. And then as I was leaving, I would say it frontwards. So that's two repetitions. And then while I'm driving, what I would do is I would turn Disney music, like Disney sing-along on Pandora up all the way up and try to say it without mistakes with that level of distraction because I wanted to put as much cognitive load as I possibly could because I knew that the level of distraction that I'm giving myself at this point, there's nothing that could ever happen on stage that would be that distracting. I would go downstairs and play video games and set a timer for five minutes. And like I said, the speech took 11 minutes. So I want to see while playing video games, if I can speed through it in five (laughs) minutes, twice as fast. Because then if I'm on stage, not only are things not distracting me, but as I'm presenting, it feels as though I'm presenting in slow motion. Mm. Wow. That is, that is amazing, dude. (laughs) You impressed. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take a quick break right here and ask you a quick question. When you hear the words personal branding, what are you thinking of? I have a good many people who have responded to this saying they're thinking of a logo or maybe a website. And those are just a couple elements, right, to a personal brand, but they're not everything. In fact, your personal brand 
is in large part this ongoing process and development of your online reputation, your image, and a promise you're making to those that you interact with and influence on a day-to-day basis. And it's also derived from who you are, who you want to be, and who people perceive you to be. Now, in 2018, whether you are a CEO, uh, entrepreneur, a corporate professional, or you're a college grad, someone is Googling your name and the results that they find, if any, and the story being told about you and your brand is going to leave that person who is searching either more or less inclined to connect with you, do business with you, or hire you. And if you know right now that you need to fix this, if you know you need to begin building your personal brand or enhancing what you have already started working on, but you have no idea what to do from here or how to get started, I'd like to encourage you to sign up right now to learn more about my personal branding course called Brand You Academy. It's a first-class, six-week online program designed to help you build your amazing personal brand and digital footprint. If you're interested and you want to learn more, hop on over right now to tbpod.com slash brand you. Again, that's tbpod.com slash brand you. Now let's get back to today's episode. So, yo, let's switch gears and talk about what's happening right now because you authored a new book, which is so amazing. I'm so excited for you with this book coming live. But the title of the book is Nobody Will Play With Me, How to Use Compassionate Curiosity to Find Confidence in Conflict. First off, congrats on getting the book written, my man. This is awesome. Thank you. When is the book going live? So the book, well, this interview is going live on the 5th, so it'll be live today. It'll be live today on Amazon.com. So the goal is to try to maximize sales for that week. And so the ebook version will be available at 99 cents just for that first week. And 100% of the sales of the first week will go to the United Way's efforts to fight poverty. Dude, that is amazing. So tell us about the book, right? Like the book, by the way, so the book helps people overcome the fear and anxiety that comes with difficult conversations. What prompted you to write the book? I know it probably was an extension, as you said before, from the TED Talk, but is that it? Like, was that really the prompt? Is there anything else that really kind of nudged you to getting it out and getting it done now? Yes. So the TED Talk was one. So I knew the book was coming at some point. But timing was another one. And so you <laughs> you know this story. So one of the motivations for me, in addition to helping people overcome the fear that goes along with negotiation, because like I said, I'm a recovering people pleaser. And I'll get into that story when it comes <laughs> to the name. But I believe that the best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. So by helping people overcome this, I see them as unlocking their true potential. But another motivation for me is as a black male in in America, I recognize there is a dearth of representation on the bestseller list Mm -hmm. for young black males. And so when you see a young black male on the bestseller list, most likely they're an athlete or an entertainer. Mm -hmm. And for me, one of my passions is mentoring young black males who want to become professionals. And I want to be able to change the paradigm where they can look on the bestseller list and say, oh, wow, there's another avenue. We can be recognized by broader society as thought leaders in academic spaces. And that's really my goal. And so that's why I'm pushing so, so hard. And so (laughs) the thing that's funny is I was dabbling with the book. It was going to get done eventually, but it was very slow. I was not moving forward with any commitment. And then I had an opportunity to be featured on the the Buckeye Spotlight for the alumni newsletter for Ohio State. 
So Ohio State has the largest alumni association in the world. And so this newsletter has 400,000 Buckeyes on it. Mm. And they're like, all right, it's going live November 5th. I'm like, well, the book's going live November 5th. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I, (laughs) I canceled everything. I canceled family. I canceled health. Uh, canceled meetings, everything. Book became priority number one. It was pretty crazy pushing through and getting it done, but I was able to get it over the edge. And the thing is, it's been percolating under the surface for a long time. And I've been, I was taking a lot of notes. And so at the end, when it came to the brain dump and then the whittling down process and organization process, I think it was about 70,000 words. I got down and then whittled it down to about 43,000 words. Mm. So it's lean. It's lean. There were a lot of good ideas that are on the butcher's floor there. But the thing is, my goal is kind of unique in this because with the first half of the book, I'm walking people through how they can find confidence in conflict. And really, it's just giving specific strategies rooted in cognitive behavioral therapy that you can do yourself to find more confidence and overcome the anxiety that you face in difficult conversations. Because what I found with the podcast is that a lot of times I've been giving recipes to people who are afraid to get in the kitchen. It doesn't make sense. We need to equip people with the confident mindset necessary to actually engage. And so once we get you to that point, I've created a framework called the Compassionate Curiosity Framework that I introduced in the TED Talk. And with the second half of the book, when it comes to the strategy of engaging in conflict, I wanted it to be something that's simple and I wanted it to be broadly applicable so that you can find a way to use it at home and at work equally as effectively. And the goal in the second half of the book was to not introduce a single idea that had been heard in another negotiation book. So the whole second half is just completely unique. Wow. Wow. Let me ask you, if somebody's asking, because I know that you've had to be in the middle of very difficult conversations and mediating both business conflict as well as personal, right? But for those listening who are probably not familiar with you, what qualifies you? Why Kwame Christian to put this book out? Okay. So first of all, I think the first and most important qualification is I used to be really, really bad at this. (laughs) (laughs) really bad. And then it's the background in psychology that helped me to overcome that. But after I got the psych degree at OSU, I got my master's of public policy and law degree from OSU. And Ohio State's law school is the top ranked dispute resolution program in the country. They had a negotiation competition and my partner and I, another brother, we won the competition there. That gave us the opportunity to represent the school at the regional competition in Ottawa, Ontario. And we won that competition as well. And then we made it to the semifinals of nationals. And fun fact about this, we were looking at it a little bit skeptically because (laughs) when we were in Ottawa, we had a great time. Everybody was really nice, but we were just like, what are the odds? We were the only all-black team competing there. Everybody else was not. And then we were assigned different letters, and we were given letter N. We're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Are you serious? Well, N1. (laughs) N1. So so it was fun, man. But the thing that was really eye-opening for me about that was the fact that The reason I competed in the competition at all was because the negotiation course just fit into my schedule well. That's the only reason I took the course. (laughs) And then when I took the course, I fell in love because I found psychology and law Mm. because I was able to find a way that I could operationalize psychology for a business or legal purpose. 
And so once I graduated, I said to myself, there needs to be a way for me to incorporate this into what I do. And so I started off as a business lawyer. I started my own practice representing clients and negotiating contracts on their behalf. Then I started mediating. So I've mediated over 100 cases in litigation at the courthouse that gave me the opportunity to intentionally put myself literally in the middle of conflict so I could see both sides of the story and see how they interact with each other. And then started the podcast and it's, it has grown from an audience of me, myself, and I uh, to the largest negotiation podcast in the world with 500,000 downloads and listeners in 181 countries. Wow. That is amazing. That's awesome. And, you know, I love what you're doing, man. You know, before we get much further out, because we're a good ways in, how can someone get a copy of the book? Yes. So check out, it's going to be on Amazon. It's going to be listed on Amazon. And Stephen, once the link goes up, I'll give you the link. Absolutely. But yes, it'll be on Amazon. And yeah, I'm excited for it. Even if you don't care about negotiation, but if you care about poverty, <laughs> buy the book just for that purpose. And uh, you'll love be helping, uh, helping some people out. Absolutely. Kwame Christian, love having you on, my brother. One last question before I let you go. Tell us, as we finish out every Trailblazer podcast episode, tell us one action that our Blazer Nation should take this week that's going to help them to blaze their trail. Oh, yes. I want you to find a difficult conversation and engage. And that's it. Because mm-hmm. most of the time you are presented with an opportunity, we feel that signal, huh, something's not right. I should say something. What's going on there? Maybe I should ask a question. Those type of things. We all get those signals, those little twinges in our mind. I should say something, but we are typically programmed to avoid that. And so I want to change your programming and encourage you to take advantage of those opportunities to engage in conflict because there's value on the other side. And even if you don't win or you don't get what you want, you still benefit because every time you practice, you get stronger. Yes, yes. Call me Christian. Thank you so much, my brother. Listen, Blazer Nation, I want you to go out right now after you stop listening to this episode. Jump on Amazon. The link you can find over at tbpod.com on this episode on 144. So tbpod.com slash 144. Make sure to post the link to Kwame's book on Amazon on that show notes page, right? Nobody will play with me. How to use compassionate curiosity to find confidence in conflict. Go out and buy that book right now. Kwame, thank you so much, my brother. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tbpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. 
Cheers. Cheers.